Hi, my name is Ron Benzieve and I'm an entrepreneur. My company solves expeditionary solutions for the U.S. military. Three years ago, I was 90 days away from having to shut down my business. Thank you for joining me, dear Rockstar. This episode, I'm with one of my friends, Ron Benzieve. Oh my gosh, we're actually doing this. Finally catching up. You are the first person that gave me an opportunity when I came to Orlando. I remember that. So I got to be involved with Startup Education, right? Startup Weekend EDU. Yes. Yeah, and that led to so many things and the reason I ended up staying here and going and helping the university for a while. So it's like someone opens up a door and you are one of the people that I think, the reason I'm in Orlando when I get frustrated, it's your fault. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Anyway, I'm so excited. You shared a little bit about World Housing Solutions. Tell us a little bit more about where you're at today. Well, if you remember way back when, when we launched this, it was to address the plight of refugees. Uh, so man, uh, people displaced through natural or man-made disasters. Right. More refugees than ever. More. Well, it, the number is actually very, very sad. Every year in the last six years, there are close to 44 million people displaced all over the world. That's, how, how, yeah, we have to just stop for a minute. 44 million. On average, that's the entire country of Canada and the state of New York homeless annually by temporary things. Could be war, could be natural disaster, could be typhoon, whatever it is. But those people have to find a way to live. And our impetus, the, the, what, what launched us into this, which is why it's called World Housing Solution, a very lofty goal, was the earthquake in Haiti. And after the earthquake in Haiti, the folks I was working with at the time, an architect, an engineer, and some other folks, um, we looked at the plight of the refugees in Haiti, and particularly women. And when you look at women and, uh, and, and, the, and the weaker individuals within a refugee camp, women in particular get, there's abuse, even more so, there's a lot of challenges, and there's no way for them to protect their goods. So we, we came up with a concept of a rigid shelter that could be built very quickly by unskilled laborers. So think IKEA meets construction. I, I get the IKEA thing, unskilled worker, impatient. Oh my gosh, where does that screw go? Absolutely. Okay, like box, so, house in a box. House in a box that could be earthquake resistant, that could be hurricane resistant and insulated, but particularly rigid. So again- It had structure, it wasn't a tent. It was not a tent. You can put your stuff in, you can lock the door, it can be safer from, from, the, from the environment as well as the you know, people that may wanna do your harm. So this all started with the Haiti prop, the problems surrounding Correct. Haiti. Okay, that was how long ago? Seven years. Seven years ago, this started, and that was the impetus for Correct. it. Correct. Today, where is where are you? So today we pivoted. When you when you pivot, you've got two ways to pivot. You can pivot at at 180 degrees and completely lose sight of where you came from, or you pivot at a 90 degrees and not completely lose sight of where you're coming from, but focus on the paying customer of someone that allows you to sustain your business and your yeah. life along the way. Without clients, this is not a business, it's, this is a hobby. It's a hobby, so, so we, it's not a hobby, it's a business. Along the way, as we were facing our mortality, shall we say, because we were not getting any business. Right. Uh, it, there was an interesting disconnect, by the way, talking about that between the user and the buyer. The user are the, users are the refugees. If you go to a refugee... In the original idea. Absolutely. You say, hey, you're in a tent now. It's 
It's 100 degrees. It's raining every day. There's cholera and, and, yeah, yeah. and feces and whatever. Would you rather be in something elevated that's rigid? The user will say yes. The problem is the user has no money. Yeah. The buyer are the NGOs, the government, the, the relief organizations, the relief organizations. Yeah. and their response overall has been, well, a tent is good enough. Yeah, because of the additional cost. Cost, it's quick, it's more efficient to distribute. So you've so ended sat, up in what market? We ended up in the military market. Okay, so before we go there, because we're going to learn a lot more, let's go back, right? So before this, you've done a few things. A, a few, yes. Yeah. So what was your passion prior to starting this? It's always been solving problems. It's always been something that you look at and you go, it's, it, it may be a curse or a blessing, depending on, 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 on how successful you are with it. You go, this sucks and I can do it better, right? It's the, the bane of, of any entrepreneur. You okay. find a problem and you go, either no one is solving it in the right way today or it's, they're not doing a good job at it. So what was your work before you started this? How far back do we want to go? Well, right before that. Well, right before that, I was in the real estate and I was working primarily in the real estate industry on the construction and development side. Okay, so you had oh, experience. I, well, I had some experience and then I had experience in losing a lot because of the market crash and the recession and, and facing a, you know, where everything kind of went away. And you kind of go, okay, now what? Right? Not a fun thing to do when you're married, three kids, and you know, suddenly uh, a lot of your resources disappear. Right. Got to figure something out. And along the way came this concept. And, and it, was, it, it felt good at the time as well because it's a good thing to solve a major problem. And, and where did that passion start? Oh, that curse started from birth. I've always done something. Even growing up. You know, what for, were you like as a kid? Like where, I mean. So remember, that, not, not born in the United States. Where English, were you born? English is my third language. So I was born in Israel. Okay. And then grew up in Africa, on the west coast of Africa, in the Ivory Coast. And then next to Geneva, Switzerland, and France. Yes. And then came to the U.S. in the early 80s and went to business school in Philly. Wow. So did you speak Hebrew? Is your family Jewish? Yes. Awesome. So you spoke Hebrew at home, French in the schooling system, and then learned English as my first foreign language in class in school, and then Spanish as my second foreign language in class. So when you said the curse started early, meaning your family had a heart for community or social or? Well, the, the curse of, of, of entrepreneurship started early primarily. <laughs> but there was always a, a, an involvement with something. But, you know, in the U.S., People always did something, you know, newspaper, you know, right. lemonade on, whatever, stand, something. whatever. Not in Europe. Uh, my first, I remember the first thing I ever did as, as a kid uh, on, in May in France, there's a, there's a holiday, which is Labor Day. And on Labor Day, for some reason, I don't remember what the reason is, but they buy this flower called a lily of the valley. And not far from where I grew up, there was a little forest. And in that forest, I found a whole patch of wild How lily of the valley. How old were you? 12, 13? Yes. So I dug them up, went back home. We had a bunch they of They were somebody else's, pot. right? No, they were in the forest. They were wild. Oh, okay. So they, they were, wild. were they were wild. technically they were, they, wild. This was, this was wild. Wild harvesting. Now wild harvesting, yes. Now. <laughs> right, exactly. So I picked those up, planted them, zero cost. The pots existed. I didn't have. And I sat in front of my house and sold them. So was this your first experience of... Solving something or yes. giving something. <sighs> so selling something 
Well, in this case, it was really just labor. I had right. no cost involved into it. My friends would ride their bikes and go, what are you doing? Let's go play. I'm like, no, I'm selling this stuff. Again, remember, in Europe, that's not a common thing. Okay. It's not something you did. Here, people will go, well, of course. Yeah. But there, for some reason, it didn't. So but that's where it started. That's that's where I can pinpoint and go, that's the first business venture I did. And then I, bun- I did a bunch of stuff in, 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 the, in, the, in between and in the process leading up to... So you come out of the recession uh-huh. with a desire to create something. That no, was during the recession. During the recession. During the you recession. You started this during the recession. Correct. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about, so you got the idea. Take us through some of the key points on, it's been seven years, but there's been some high points and there's been some low points. Take us through the stories that have got you here, a couple of them. So each contract, and we're on our 12th contract now got us just enough for a while to survive. It was not even, you know, to subsist, subsist as it was just barely, you know, you're, you're doing this, you're skipping along the bottom as you're getting and enough. And you're working another, you're doing, doing other consulting things. consulting work and some other things, but this was something I really believed in. And as we're building this and trying to figure out and coming up with solutions and processes, you know, we stumble into improving, we stumble into what what seems to matter because we came in from a remember we're coming from the world housing not you the came military in from expeditionary the, yeah thing, the refugee right? so when was the first what was the first thing that you look back and say that was a breakthrough and we're here because i responded that. to an email that's the first thing i got an email to my info at worldhousingsolution.com box and i respond to all emails it doesn't, well, not unless, well, some emails we're not going to respond to, but any email that asks for business information, yeah. we respond to. In this case, it came from the U.S. Navy. How many years were you in by, till that happened? A year and a half, just about. We had built our little prototype had, had shelter. Had you ever thought of the government? Never. It was not even on the radar. Okay. So we get this email, and the email inquires, asks questions. I, re- I responded, we engaged in conversation, and after about, and they asked for a plan. How would you do a larger structure and, you know, that could accommodate more individuals and so on and so forth? Right. We returned back and said, here's how we would do it. And we finally got on a phone, and, and I'm speaking to this gentleman, and at some point during the conversation, he says to me, well, you know, you're, you're not the only company we're talking to. And in my mind, I go, well, duh, you're the freaking U.S. Navy. I hope I'm not the only company. <laughs> And, and to which he says, but you're the only one who responded. And I went, wait, wow. I'm, I'm not the prettiest girl at the dance. I'm the only girl at the dance. It's okay. I'll take it. That's fine. I responded. We engaged in conversation. We ended up, he ended up ordering the prototype. That was your first paying client. First paying client. Ordered a prototype. We delivered a prototype. They want something that could be taken apart, rebuilt, taken apart, rebuilt. You did that. We did that four times. And it's so, and that very first building currently sits in Mississippi. It's gone through. It's 700 square feet. Can be built in six hours by 10 people. Fully insulated and has gone through one hurricane and six tropical storms now. Awesome. What was the next major milestone? They loved it. So the folks in the Navy that saw it spread the word and talked to a bunch of other people about it and say, "Hey, we found this really cool thing." Because what happens in the military, and from the military standpoint, in the Navy in particular, and that group is called the CBs, um, which it stands for Construction Battalion. And it's an amazing story. If anyone, they should check them out. Yeah. Because the, the Construction Battalion of the U.S. Navy was... So they started spreading your story. They and spread then the story what happened? and evangelizing it. 
And what happened is someone in Germany found, heard about us and asked a, a vendor, a distributor and said, hey, we're interested about this world housing solution thing. Are you familiar with them? The gentleman in question said, yes, I think we're repping their line. He contacted me and said, there's this opportunity. Are you interested? And one thing led to another. That year, that conversation led to an opportunity. Was that a tra the trade show thing? He, that conversation led to the trade show opportunity. Okay, so tell us that story. Well, as you know, I'm very involved with the local community, and I and I'm and I'm fortunate that I have friends and and I mentor you know entrepreneurs and startups. And one gentleman threw one million cups, which was another yeah. one of the events that I brought locally. Uh, he and I struck a friendship, and one time we're in. He says to me, "Hey, Ron, I like you know, let me buy you a cup of coffee." And typically, that means someone wants. To ask questions, they to want to get chat. all of your IP that you have spent Which a lot of time on, and they want it in thirteen minutes. And that's fine. But it's hard to get it out in it, thirteen. It's, it's hard. So so we sat at, at you know at, at, the, at the coffee shop, and I and I said, "So how can I help you?" And he goes, "No, no, today is not about me. It's about you. You're always helping everybody else. Let's talk about you today." Yeah. And and wow. this this younger man and I had this. Really, I'm not used to that. As you know, most people it, it's it, don't ask. Um, they take, they don't give. He was giving, and in the conversation, he said, "So talk to me about some of your challenges." And we talked about the fact that I had this opportunity to go to Italy to a trade show on a military base, and we simply didn't have the funds. Actually, in my mind, that year, three years ago, I had decided that if nothing happened by the end of the year, we were now in August. I was shutting down my doors in December. So you had been open for four years, and you had given yourself a date. That's it. If we don't do something here. Nothing. I got to make money I, somehow. I've got. I've got to. I've got to move on. But you actually tell this guy the truth. We don't have enough money to go to this thing we've Correct. been invited to. I said we don't have. We there's a budget, and I don't have the budget for that. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, "Do you really think it would make a difference?" And I said, "Look, unless I, unless you play, you can't win. I don't yeah. know. You don't get up to bat. You can't. You can't strike it. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and and he goes. Look, the conversation happened over about a week period, but at the end of that week, he said, "You know what? We'll fund your trip." He and his brother funded my trip. Um, to stop for a minute. Wow. And what did that do for you? Well, first of all, it shocked me because no one, <laughs> I, no, you know, it's not something you expect. Right. But it's the power of saying, I, I can't do it all by myself and, I, and, and you always need help. Yeah. And in their case, their help was not to the company, but they said, we believe in you and your vision. Yeah. The money that you need doesn't make a difference to us. But if it can make a difference to you, go ahead and do it. So I fly to Italy. It was in September. And in Italy, I meet a customer. And I literally, and, and, and this is, I, I get in the plane on a Friday. And when I land in New York, my phone is blowing up because we landed two contracts. From that trip. From that trip. That same week. As I'm flying back, as I land in New York, I turn my cell phone on. It's like voicemail, voicemail, email, email. You got to respond. got to respond. got to respond. And I'm like, oh, my God. So the next week, I returned the money to my friends. I said, thank you. And since then, that has propelled us and kept us in business 
to the point that we moved from a 1,000 square foot facility to a 2,500 square foot facility to a 6,000. And most recently, we moved to Sanford to a 17,000 square foot facility. Well, and you just closed a contract with how many zeros in it? Plenty to keep us alive. So we're in multiple seven figures. So this is what's so important. You can be toiling for four years and feeling like, okay, that's the deadline. One person comes in and you're so honest. They give you that thing and the business blows up because you needed to be in this other environment. And so many times we're one conversation, one trade show, one meeting away from our breakthrough. And people need to not only be as honest as you were, because you were courageous to say, really, I don't have the money, right? And that takes a lot because there's so much pride, right? But also, what a blessing that someone showed up to be otherly and to say, listen, it's your turn. You have paid your dues in this community. How can I help you? If we do that, there'd be more people winning. It's a very powerful thing. And, and, you know, if you don't ask for help, people, the old adage on a startup, fake it till you make it. Look, investors know you're 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 on the last. You know, you've got pennies. Ninety on seconds, feet, right? <laughs> they know. They're looking at your financials. They look at what you have. They understand that. Be honest. Now you have to be. You have to believe in what you're doing. You can't be. You know, you can't be Tigger all the time. But, but sure as I can be Eeyore. That's right. an amazing story, right? Yeah. That really turned everything around. That turned everything around for us. And then when did so? Then is that at what point you really saw who your client was? When when I finally was afforded the ability, and people always talk about B2B and B2C, and for me, I always scoffed at that. I said, it doesn't matter. It's always H to H. It's human to human. And then jokingly, I would say, unless you're doing business with the government, then it's still B2G. It's still H to H. You're still human to human. And until and unless you're able to meet who your, per, who your customer is and listen to what their problems are and stop trying to force your solutions onto their problems, it's not so going to So what work. did you discover? Why does the government want this? What, what, why, do, why is this a good solution for them? What did you learn? And, and this is a continuous process. Right, because but what are you learning now? What I'm learning now is that logistics are an issue for every military. In the old days, they would say an army marches on its stomach because you've got to feed it. So the Romans would leave encampments throughout Europe with food, meaning cattle and other things, so they could feed the troops. In our case, it's fuel. Right? The best example is in 19, World War II, the GI, a GI used on average one gallon of gas a day. Okay. If Iraq and Afghanistan, so the, it's 22 gallons. So the issue is the fuel efficiency, and the logistics of getting the fuel it, places. It's how do you get the fuel from A to Z. So and when they look at your thing, what do they say? I need to educate them on the fact that using my thing, it's all education. It's not a natural... Once you know what's important to them, then you turn your... Correct. Now your story... Now your story... And so what is your story resounds. to them? The story is we reduce your logistics in order to improve the ability for you to be a better soldier. You don't have to worry about fuel every day. Because fuel is not just a money issue, it's also a risk issue. Yeah, so you're showing them if you put this here versus this structure, this is what happens, you still you have air conditioning, but this is what happens to your fuel need and your logistics. Correct. Less risk of life, less cost. Correct. 
wow, but this is like it's staying there long enough to figure out what problem you really solve. That's when you start, if you, if you shut up and listen, then the customer will tell you. And that's the problem. Sometimes we're so much in a hurry to tell them what we have to tell them instead of saying, what keeps you up at night? Now, with the military, there are things they can't tell you, obviously, right? But so I asked them, what, can, what keeps you up at night that you can share with me that I may be able to have an impact? We actually created an entire new line based upon those particular things. When they say, well, this is a problem we don't know how to solve. Is that something you can solve? And I, I go, well, no, but I know people to ask, right? It's, it's connecting the dots. Sometimes you don't even know which dots to connect because you're not deep enough into the process. You haven't learned enough about their business. Correct. So what's your advice to yourself? Like if you could give yourself advice seven years ago, what would you tell yourself? It, it, wow. Um, not that you would have listened. But not that, not that I necessarily would have listened, but it would have been stop chasing the investor and go after the sales. Whoa. Stop chasing the investor and go after the sales because you are totally self-funded now, Correct. right? We're funded. How does a pizzeria make it, right? They don't get an investor, but they sell pizzas, right? So that's how they stay in business. You have to go and, and cash flow. And if you don't cash flow, you can't stay alive. And I was hung up on I'm going to get investments. Turns out it was a blessing in disguise. I couldn't get any. No one believed in what I did, even though I had contract three and four and five and six. People said no one's going to spend that kind of money. Uh, my story to the investor did not resonate. And, and, but I was fortunate enough that my story with the buyer resonated and the buyer kept us That's so powerful. In business. So you tell yourself, say it again because it's so powerful. Don't chase the investor, chase the sale. Chase the sale. And what have you learned that's most important? Because you were already good at selling and you were a consultant and you understood words and the power of story. But what have you learned in the last seven years about sales? Actually, I can, actually I can tell you what I've learned in the last three months about sales. Okay. That what I think resonates in the customer's mind often isn't because I'm too busy trying to craft. I'm not listening I'm listening while I'm preparing the answer instead of listening to what they're saying so I can I can address their questions. So that's consistent with what we talk about in Lean Startup. Like separate customer discovery, the actual going out and dis discover and search for real big, hairy, audacious problem. Separate that from the solution time. So I hear you reminding me to go out and do more inquiry prior to bringing my solution in, even if I think I'm at the point I'm selling. Which is true, but in, in certain markets, it's a lot harder. How can you go and talk to military and, and folks? Yeah. And in our case, we're an accidental company selling to the U.S. military. So how do you do it? I don't. I can tell you, for the government, it's a different thing. But but in certain cases, they will tell you we're trying to solve this. Right? We have grants available. If you solve this, we will pay you to go ahead and do this. Uh, SBIRs, um, Small Business Innovation Research Grants, um, those, are, those are powerful. Specific to your, the niche you're in now. But they're also specific to someone else who may have an interest in solving big problems. But now the customer tells you, you solve this. Not only am I going to pay you, and I'm going to give you money that you don't have to go and, and dilute your ownership with investors. I'll pay you $750,000 to $1.5 million, and then the second go around even more. 
but if you really solve it, I'm paying for this. I'm buying this stuff from you. Yeah, thank you. Now that's a good return on my investment of working my effort, right? Correct. Like return yeah. on a life return. Okay, I want to tip the scales a little because I remember you wrote an article a couple years ago about the dark side of entrepreneurship. And I thought it was one of the most honest things because that's a whole conversation that doesn't get talked about. So first, my question, what's been your toughest moment your darkest moment, and then talk to me about this issue. So the darkest moments of entrepreneur of of, of, of anything is 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 when you're here. Yeah, right? for you, when, when, when was you, that? When you're here, well, right after or during the, the during the uh, the recession, when you know, everything kind of goes away, and you're facing, you know, three kids going to college, all these other things, yep. your spouse, and and unless there's a team around you, everybody's got to be on board. You can't be the only one. You can't succeed, and I'm very fortunate that I have a partner. 30 years. We just got, you know, our anniversary was this week. That's your wife. Years. My wife, married 30 years, and and everyone. If if your partner is not in with you, then you're. It's not going to work. Um, so and, you were at your roughest thing there. And and she was she was my biggest cheerleader. You know, understanding that no, you you can do this. Right. You always have to have someone. Someone has to push you out or pull you up. I love that. So, what do you mean by that? Along your along your journey, and 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 that's and that's something I love to ask successful people in particular is is who has helped you out along your journey? And you'll find the egos will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a hard worker, and I'm and I, it's all me, myself, and I. The three of us did it. Or someone said, well, you know, this individual along yeah. the way. Did this for me. Someone, someone was wise enough to go. Okay, you can go on. I'm here, but you can go on, or vice versa. Someone says, "Step up, let me help you out to here." Yeah. Someone along the way does that. That's why we need support, and we need community, Correct. and we need to be honest about what we need. Correct. And and that's but that's a challenge because people, you cannot be a newer all the time, right? Let's go back to this. But at the same time, it can be a tigger all the time because you just want to choke him. So that fine balance of I'm 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 optimistic, but cautiously optimistic. I'm real. I'm mm, real. Yeah, like real. So talk to me about what you've seen about the dark side of entrepreneurship and. People don't share. People don't say I need help. Um, and and much smarter men than I and women than I have talked about this. There's articles about. Um, you know, startup depression, entrepreneurship depression. Uh, how how you go? Oh with man! If you haven't had it, <laughs> you're lying. Yeah. Like you're just lying. You're flat out lying. Yeah. There are no better liars than entrepreneurs. Just ask them. How are you doing? I'm doing great. This is yeah. awesome. Living the dream. Come on in. The water's just <laughs> fine. Right? That happens all the time. Yeah. But people are. But it's not true. It's not true. Look at the ultra successful people. Just recently, the, the CEO of Uber got, you know, is, he, he may be a bazillionaire. He may be a, what, he's worth five or six billion dollars, but he got caught on video berating someone and, and he got, you know, he's, he's admitting he, it's not all fun and games. It's not because you're a billionaire that it's all happy, happy, happy. It's not. How do you deal with that along the way? And how can you be truthful and surround yourself with people that can help you? It's not if that's going to happen, it's when that's going to happen. Is the solution community and something, or is it just community? The solution is, is community, but it may not be just the nearby community. You can have 
uh, peer group support friends that are away. Um, we launched this, this startup called Founders Harbor with the hopes of creating a, a, an environment where, where peers could, could share their journey. Okay. Uh, and I put it on ice because I don't have time. This is another startup that, that, that was born from my experience. Talk about that. You had Squiggle? Or, Squiggle. So you started something else and then a year and a half ago you decided... No, it started a year and a half ago. Okay. Because of all the travels I was doing with World Housing, I discovered a hole in, in the travel industry. There was a problem that I could not find a way to solve. So you started something else. No, I went and validated it. I did customer validation. I went to a bunch of people and said, has this ever happened to you? And if that is, it's, if it has been a problem, how do you solve it? Are you happy with the current solutions? And and I validated, 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 and found someone super smart to become my co-founder because he had the technical skills. Okay, but you decided not to go forward with this when World Housing took off. I had Talk to step to us away. about why. Why it, did you do that? I deluded myself. I was delusional that I could do both. <laughs> We are delusional I, when we say we can birth I, multiple babies I, that aren't fully breathing. I can do it all. I can I can do this and I can do this and I can be a tech startup and I can be a you know a manufacturer that sells to the military and travel all over the world. No, no. And and so I did something that was really hard for me, which is Squiggle was something I started, something that I came up with, um, and I stepped away. I handed it over to the co-founder, and David is running with it because it was not fair. It was not fair to him, it was not fair to the other persons, people we brought on, on the startup, and I had to go, okay, put your ego away, just, just tuck that away for a moment, and if you want that to be successful, you've got to let it go. Yeah, whoa. So what are your practices? How do you manage the stress? What has gotten you through? the tough times, because you toiled for a long time without evidence that this was going to blow up into seven digits. What are the things that kept you going besides community? What else, were there any other practices or? Hearing other people saying to me, this has legs. People who said to me, where were you during the Iraq and Afghanistan war? Where were you 30 years ago when I was in this environment? Or, or people that just recently came out and said, oh my God. Ron, you don't understand. This is something we need, and and the the endorsement, the validation, the the stamp of approval, whatever you want to call it, from others that can have an influence, not just a passing. Oh, this lovely thing. Oh, what a great idea! You should do it. No, but it's people, people that can actually not only say it's great but also invest their time and their effort in helping you to move it along. Yeah, that's so important. So you said that one gentleman that financed the trip over there to get the new contracts, was there anything else that's been critical to where you're at today? Absolutely, I would not have had the opportunity to present at that trade show if I didn't have an advocate. And that brand advocate, this gentleman who works for a distribution company, uh, in, in, the, in the government you have prime contractors that people have heard of, and then prime vendors, those are companies that, that sell products to the government, and this gentleman works for one of them. And he came along, he was actually introduced to what I do by a buyer, and he saw, he came to, to Florida, he saw what we did, and he went, oh wow, this is, this is really cool. And he has been backing us up 
meaning in the sense of getting us sales, getting us introductions, putting on. So front did of the he table. move to be a distributor then? Yes, he okay. is now one of our main. He's our main salesperson. So an advocate that becomes a distributor and a salesperson, and this person that puts the necessary resources to get you in the right environment. That, that we argue about the product having to be right, but there's other things that have to happen besides the product being right. But sometimes we get too hung up on the product being right. Absolutely. Right? We go back to, you know, better is the enemy of good, and, and the product is good enough. Go test it. Go make sure people get are okay with it. Put it out there. Let them break it. Come back with feedback and then redo it again. So your advice changes over the, your career, but you've moved this thing and it's on its way now. What are the three most important things you would say to someone that's not yet, you know, they might not be all the way at the pit, but they definitely haven't had their breakthrough to break even yet. What are the most important things for that person to remember or do? I don't know if it's three or more or less, but first... It's probably 700. Yeah, but, you know, first of all, are you sure you're talking to the right person? Yeah. Right? It, can, can the person you're talking to make a difference? Because I heard a lot of... This is great. Yes, we'd love to hear more, but you know, can do you they, have the right client? Do you have the right? Can that person make a decision to buy? Yeah. Right. A B. Your product is good enough. Push it out there. Get people to try. Don't work on the it. product more. Yeah. Just push it out and and do it. And then and the last but not least, get out there and meet your customers. An email is not good enough. A phone call is not good enough. FaceTime is not good enough. There's nothing like this. Seeing someone's reaction, seeing someone hold and touch and 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 play with with your with your product. Best case that best story I have is I'm sitting in a room filled with military folks and there's a colonel at the end of the table and he's stabbing my my sample. He's literally stabbing my sample and it's making a noise as we're making the presentation. <laughs> and 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 almost as he's talking to himself, he goes, "Well, I can't cut this. It's a composite." building system and and I look at him and I said no sir you can't but but why is that important well, he goes because if I use this for my radio communication um, then no one can slice the tent step in grab the equipment and 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 steal secrets or steal so it's equipment safe. it's safe and I didn't even think about that approach I'm thinking yeah, about the energy efficiency know. I'm talking about ease of construction I'm talking about longevity I'm not even thinking about Oh, wait, no one can steal the stuff. Well, yes, sir, that is well, correct. It goes no back to what you it. said earlier. You don't know what your blind spot is. You don't know what's important to them because you haven't had the conversation. Correct. So if we will just get face-to-face -face and we will listen and see what they're really looking for or the problems they're starting to, then we can figure out if we have that value proposition already or if we have to tweak and iterate the product. Correct. So where do we find you online? Oh my gosh, uh, everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you really are, but for World Housing Solution. Uh, LinkedIn, obviously the first, the website, World Housing Solution, it's singular. Okay. Solution has no S at the end, so it's a singular solution, but it's okay. a good one. So worldhousingsolution.com. We're on Facebook, okay. we're on LinkedIn, yep. uh, we're on Twitter. Absolutely, we will. So as we get ready to wrap up, anything else you'd like to leave with us? Oh my goodness! Um, I, I think it would go back to to the to, to to the fundamentals. Ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. And if you don't ask for help, people don't know that you need help. Mm. And and it seems it sounds so simple, but it's so true. Oh, um, so true. And and along the way, pay it forward because someone along the way is going to push you out or pull you up. And when you're in a position to push someone out or pull someone up, do it. 
Oh, amen. 1700 hallelujahs. I don't know what we say in Hebrew or in the Jewish amen. thing. Amen. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. You are a rock star.